0: Welcome to the Father Seekers podcast. My name is Pastor Keith, and with me, as always, Pastor Barry Edgman. How are you, sir? Today is a great day, my friend. Today, today is a great day, my friend. <laughs> That's a good way to start. Hey, we are uh, we are wrapping up a three part series that we started two weeks ago, uh, titled "The Evil Trifecta." Um, the first week we talked about uh, money. The second week we talked about sex. And this week we're talking about power, power. Okay. The evil trifecta, yeah. money, sex, and power. Um, I was kind of stalling there for like a, like if you're listening be yeah. like, it was, oh, it was money. Yeah, there you you go. Know? Uh, knowing that I couldn't hear you say that out loud. Uh, I did it. I did it. I did it mm. anyway. Yeah. So um, the money, sex, power. And if you haven't listened to the other two episodes, it isn't imperative to listen to them before this episode, but definitely it when you finish this episode, dial back to the last two yeah. weeks: uh, money, sex, and power. Um, so, w- what's the idea behind this? Uh,
1: behind this trifecta, this this whole series. Well, here's here's the big deal, Keith. That uh, guys struggle with a lot of things, but if you can narrow the field and and just have real clean, clear margins, as physicians would say. We can narrow down our struggles and categorize them in three places, money, sex, and power. And it, it's all a part of a guy's life. It's all a part of what he's wired and designed to do and to be and how he's designed and wired to acquire and to build. And if we don't use money, sex, and power in the right way to do those things, then we're going to not build kingdoms, we're gonna create chaos and we're gonna hurt people and we're gonna destroy lives, especially those close closest to us and those we have influence over and those in our in our circles of influence, as John Maxwell would say, our our circle of people that we have we have large, large all of us men have large circles of influence, several but there's this looping, there's this place where those four or five or six or ten loop together in the middle and those guys are your people. That that's a podcast series right there in, in itself is, is circles of influence. But if we don't if we don't use these three gifts of God in the right way, we will we will destroy instead of build and love.
0: Yeah. If you don't call a spade a spade, mm-hmm. sort of idea like if right. you if you don't use uh if you don't use the responsibility, um, if you don't have the respect for these things and the responsibility understood for money, sex, and power, they mm-hmm. don't—they don't become tools to build a kingdom. You know, they be actually become uh, elements to—they're
1: weaponized. Tear you your, apart. Your word that you use a lot on Thursday nights in our life group is weaponize. Weaponize our faith. Weaponize our yeah. skill set. Weaponize our gifts. Weaponize our our thinking about moving forward. Just that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they don't become your, your biggest strengths. They become your biggest deterrence. Mm -hmm. They become your biggest uh, 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 things to tear you down as a, as a man, as a father, as a, as a Jesus person, Mm -hmm. as, as everything. So uh, with that being said, week three, Mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, power.
1: Power. You know, you know, funny thing about the English language. um, And we, we talk about different cultural words here at in in our business and and in the in the church we work together at but one of the things we talk about is is the biblical language about uh hebraic and greek meanings of words and understandings and concepts of of words what they mean and one of the things about the english language is as much as as much as I appreciate it, it's actually weak in in accurately defining a word. Like, for example, we would say love, and love means a lot of things, but in Greek in the Greek biblical language, it's there's four meanings for that word that are very specific and particular. So when we talk about the word power, again we're talking about this very same thing. This when we say power, not only does it have different definitions, but it has not so much the definition but the application, the application of power, how we apply power, how we utilize power, how we gain and acquire and accept power. So actually power, the word power in the English language is, is, is this, this energy or art ability to produce something. It's, it's like we, we go out and get something. And then when I say power, uh, I think of a bulldozer, that's very powerful, or a crane, a hundred-ton crane, that's very powerful. But when you are trying to define the word, it's we have lots of words in the English language that that are or phrases that are deceptive. Like, for example, why is it that we call the place where we park our car the driveway? You ever thought about that? Or if you're driving through a national park, you're driving on the parkway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so this word power falls into that same category. It falls into the same, this same ideology of well, what what does it really mean? And actually, when you look at biblical definition of power, this is there is the the actual Greek word for power in the New Testament is dunamis. And dunamis is where we get our word dynamite. So Mm. the power of Jesus, the power of Holy Spirit, the power of God is dunamis. It's dynamite. It's explosive energy. In fact, here's what's interesting. It's the explosive, explosive energy that when God out of the intention of his heart and his mind spoke words ex nihilo out of nothing and created heaven and the earth, that dunamis was what created everything, that power, that energy, that, that from God's mouth and his hand to the universe transferred this power, this dunamis. Now, Every gift of God, every gift of God is corrupted and warped and and twisted in the garden. It, all of them were. All of them are. With the exception of the gift of salvation. That comes direct from the hand of Jesus. But all these other things that God gave us, these blessings like to, to multiply and to grow and to plant and to take authority over the creation and to build and to lift up and to build cities and multiply, all of those things, those were corrupted in the fall. But all of those things that God told us to do as men, especially in Genesis, require power. We have to have power to
0: do it. It's interesting that you the when you talked power, you immediately... Brought up like a bulldozer, like like you defaulted to the word power being of strength, right? And I I instinctively don't like default power to strength. Mm-hmm. In fact, strength is probably the last synonym I would use in the word power. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think powerful. If I think of if I think of machinery, I think powerful is fast. Like mm-hmm. I think if an engine is powerful, that car is going. Real fast in a straight line, mm-hmm. um, but the the thing that I associate most with power is actually influence. Like okay, pr- but
1: let me back up. Like we're proving, we're proving, we're proving our concept here, right? Exactly. Like it's like what is power? Like I think of this this earth moving machine, and when you said I think of it as a, a a fast strong engine, my mind when you said that went to a Ducati. Ducati. Yeah, and I think oh that's that's the fastest. Crotch rocket. I mean I, right. mean, I mean, kind of, but not really. Well, but 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 for for conversation's sake, it's like it, it, oh, it's, it's known. So to be fast pa- Yeah, yeah what is power?
0: It's known to be fast. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's it is a powerful small engine in there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's an interesting point to bring up. As if you're if you're listening, like uh there are a lot of synonyms mm-hmm. for power. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it are are you wielding your actual strength to fight to lift? Mm-hmm. Uh, over over someone who's weak. I mean that's uh, mm-hmm. that's a real thing. Are you mm-hmm. are you an intimidator? Um again there you I, go. I I instinctively when you think power I think of uh persuasion, of influence, of uh of corruption. Um you know the more more power to me is is more mind-based than physical based. So uh let's break down uh when you say the an evil trifecta of power give us an example
1: of all three working together or just one of just one. so so there's yeah. a there there is um if 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 i'm usurping my positional power over my family mm. and i'm creating fear-based respect and obedience what i'm doing is i'm sowing rebellion in the heart of my children and my wife I'm not, I'm not, I'm not loving him because here's the thing. All of And if you don't, if you are not a Jesus guy, then all right, I would advise differently. And if you want to discuss it, you can contact us at either, either of us at fatherseekers.org. But here's what, here's what I'm saying to you that, that all of creation recognizes whether they understand it or not. All creation recognizes that men are created with three offices, prophet, priest, and king. There's another three piece right there. But we're created by God to be prophet, priest, and king. Now, most most humans understand that. Most humans grasp that, but they don't really understand how it works, nor would they be able to put that those name tags on there. Here's what I'm saying is that because because we're wired that way as children, that women are wired that way, and men are wired to be prophet, priest, and king, and and how and power is a part of that. Power power operates differently in every one of those offices. What's interesting is that we're created men in the image of God. This is this is this is amazing right here, and 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 God is. He is one person, one God, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. We're created in His image, but we're created prophet, priest, and king. All throughout the Old Testament, we see that. So how power works in each one of those offices is very different. So if I'm prophet, a prophet looks forward to the future and can see what's coming given him that information by God or he can he can see things discerningly and begin to see those things like in the life of your child you can say now now if son if you continue to reach for the stove when you're tall enough and put your hand on the burner you're going to get scorched that's very prophetic experientially prophetic priest is giving a warning son if you continue to do that i'm going to have to correct your i'm going to have to correct you i'm going to have to stop you and if he does it when you're not around then of course you shepherd in love and bring healing as priest but as king what you do is you create you oversee and you've created this whole place for that child to live in and you know you know that that's a possibility so you begin to put in pieces and protective measures to keep him from that. So all these offices are working together. Now, if a man doesn't understand that he's prophet, priest, and king, but he's wired that way and he doesn't know how to really discern that, he will he will use, in that same analogy, he will respond differently. When the child reaches, he'll smack their hand or yell or push them away as prophet, as priest. He'll, he'll exert some sort of, well, you should have known better. Or as king, he will penalize punitively for a child doing something that's in their nature. So that's how power works differently: Jesus guy versus non-Jesus guy.
0: Well, okay, so yeah that that that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, how does how does one get from like how does one get from knowing they have power? And then abusing it. So like, how how does that slope work? Right? Do mm-hmm. do, do we just, were we raised, are we raised instinctively uh, negative to use power? Mm-hmm. Or do we have our innate ability to know how to harness power
1: good mm-hmm. from okay. the start? Okay. Now, now you've dug into a very deep hole to ask a very deep question. And, and this is it. Men are taught not to show their emotions, never cry, be a man. Yet yeah, what what do women want most from men? Be vulnerable. Yeah. Show your emotions. I want to see you cry once in a while. That's what women want. That's what they love. Not all the time, not a whiny little little dude, wimp guy, but you know, man up. But don't don't be a an ogre. So to the to the point. We're, if you go to the middle of the spectrum, there's, a, there's margin margins on either side. The margin to the left is I'm, I'm weak and I need to grow and to be strong. The margin on the far right is I'm an ogre overbearing ruling with an iron fist guy. So we've got to come to the middle with that and utilize power that way. And the only way to do that, uh, again, this is, this is father seekers. And the only way to be a good father is, first of all, to be a good son. So if you grew up without a father, you need to learn sonship. So how do I learn sonship? I learn sonship. I learn how to utilize the power God gave me by watching people who know how to use power. First off, it's God, God, the father, he utilizes and, and uses his power significantly different than we humans do. But to your point, uh, back an episode or two ago, find find a, find a dad who's done really well and begin to ask him questions, mimic what he does, use him as a sounding board. So so we don't, we don't, we're not always trying to, we're either this far left as I don't want to usurp any authority. I'm going to let my kids figure it out or I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep control of my kids with an iron fist and they're not going to be able to do anything. My wife is not going to be able to do it but there's this place in the middle where where i believe truly god is the god of the middle and that's where we find him because he wants to keep us in the center of his will in the center of of what he wants in us okay so i
0: i like i know that a lot of people would refer to humanity as like sinful to start you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like at birth you were of sin we're, we're, we're almost like instinctively our first words are no, you know, like we, we have this, this inner turmoil, uh, right, right from the start. Um, so when I, when I ask like, do we inherently not know how to harness power from the get go? Or is that something society teaches us? Um, I would, you'd almost, I almost kind of feel like we do know how to be powerful people right out of the gate but society tells us and corrupts us over time with power. Uh so I mean as as a person if you're listening and you don't know if you are utilizing power good, you don't know if like you don't know what side of the fence you are on it. Um what would be a good way to identify if you are taking power to the
1: extreme? Mm, that's good. You know to to your to your question there's Let's go to the middle where where if you're not usurping or utilizing power that God's given you as a man properly or you're overusing it yeah let's look at the middle. let's see what again what does God say and let's to do that we have to go again to look at Jesus and what how did Jesus so Jesus God in human flesh came to earth born of a virgin and from day one, day 1 he was 100% god 100% man but as he as he grew and and gained favor with god and man and people knew him and began to respond to him and he went through all of the all of the teachings and trainings that young jewish boys do and he began to learn all of these things he entered into his ministry and when he went into the wilderness led by god i believe that he had clarity crystal clear understanding of who he was and what God wanted him to do. So in knowing that, again, a son, in knowing that, he understood how to utilize power. In fact, the scripture says that when he was on the cross, he could have called legions of angels to, to not only defend him, but wipe out humanity again. Yet he chose not to do that, but to, again, carry the sins of the world to death, and then the tomb, and then resurrection. Now, that, that is power. That—that That is humbly utilizing the position that God placed him in, utilizing power. Now, what are the three different elements that Jesus used when executing, using, usurping, Managing, passing on his power. Yeah, passing on it. See, he passed on. Now, here's the other thing: if you're an ogre, if you're an ogre to your kids, you're going to create nothing but but wife and kid abusers and bullies. Yeah, I can see. If that. you're a weak dude, you're going to create little wimpy dude kids that are afraid of their own shadow. I'm I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just telling you. Twenty five years in youth ministry, and then being being a lead pastor, and then working with guys, and then all, I'm just telling you here, bro, what's coming down the track. But here are the three things that Jesus, that Jesus utilized in sharing his power, in giving his power away, in utilizing. and And by the way, God God positioned Jesus. The scripture says God placed him in position to be a son on earth. And he gave him all all of creation is connected and exists inside the Son of Jesus. Now you talk about power and the ability to manage. here are the three things. Number one, Jesus loved his people. Wherever he was, he loved his people the way that God loved him and the way he understood God loved others. God loved his creation. So how do we apply that to our families? We love our people, our children, our wife, like God loves us, like God loves them. That is is our goal. So when we begin to love them and to see them, not as what we want them to be, but see them as they are. And, and until we see our, our wife and kids as they really are, we'll never be able to love them like Jesus does because we'll have these preconceived ideas of who they might be. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll give you a slice here, Keith, and, and this will help explain what I'm trying to say. For years, for the last few years of my marriage, I had an emotional affair with a woman that had no face, no name, no body. It was this it was this it was this perception of a woman that I thought I, I needed and wanted. Yeah. It was incredibly unfair to my 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 former wife. Incredibly unfair. Because I had expectations of her that she could she could have never been. She could she couldn't live up to what what I wanted her to live up to because she didn't have the capacity to do it,
0: yeah. If if you keep a person on a high standard ish, like high standards, um, they'll always let you down. You know, if you put your faith in in a wife, if you put your faith in man, if you put your faith in friends, right, uh, they will always let you down. They'll never mm-hmm. live up to your mm-hmm. expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I when you were when you were talking that something I thought of is like because you love somebody. Does it? It doesn't stop there, mm-hmm. All right? Love is love is faith. Faith mm-hmm. is love. They're they they intertwine. And if you if faith without works is dead, like if if you have faith but don't actually practice it, it it means nothing. There you go. Right. So so Christ can see your heart and knows what's in your heart, mm-hmm. but the rest of humanity can't. So if you love somebody, that requires. Showing of that, mm-hmm. it requires you actually applying that mm-hmm. that feeling in the real world. So you could say, "Hey, I love my wife," but if you're not showing her you love her, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your heart says, mm-hmm. because as as you judge yourself on your intentions, and you can, and people do that, we we all judge ourselves and our intentions. The world is actually judging us on our actions. Mm-hmm. So if I love my children, if I don't actually show them that, the word whatever I have in my heart and the actual word means nothing. So we need in this first step, you need to actually take steps Mm -hmm. to show Mm -hmm. that you are loving. If Mm -hmm. you have, so you have power and influence over your family, you have power and influence over the people you work with, over your, over your neighbor, over your, your circle of people. You actually have to exhibit love to do that. You can't just say, well, no, I love my friends. But if you're treating them like garbage, you're actually, you're actually proving the opposite—that you don't actually love your friends because your actions are, are warranting uh, the 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 statement of no, you don't. If your actions are, or if your if your actions towards your wife or towards your towards uh, your children, if they're not exhibiting the uh, the 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 symptoms of love, then you wouldn't be diagnosed with love whatsoever. So, what's the second one?
1: The second one is humility. There, there was. No more humble person ever than the Lord Jesus, Paul said in Philippians that he left heaven's glory and his position there as the Son of God to come to earth from king to, to slave. And he was he was he was giving his life. He was giving his life for God's creation. So to move from a position of complete and absolute authority, which he never lost. He, he continued to hold all that authority, yet he laid it aside his prerogatives and his ability as God to come to earth in human flesh so that he could walk like we walked, lead a life that was exemplary and then invite us to copy and imitate his life. So that we could we could live the same life and then share that, that same life that he lived and exemplified for us with others. So how does that apply to my family? If I understand and I know that they understand some way in their being that I'm I'm powerful and that I I I, I hold the lot power of life and death virtually in my in my tongue with my family, in my actions if I exhibit to them humility and kindness and generosity and they see that they will respond to humility, humbleness, kindness, generosity way before they will control restriction management and punitive damage.
0: Yeah. Humility. Uh, when it was explained to me years ago, um, because I think because it sounds so similar to people associated with humiliation. Mm-hmm. Now, humility isn't Very humiliation. Good. Very good. Humility is actually the exact opposite of humiliation. Very good. Humility is just being humble. Mm-hmm. Now, those are the same words. Humility is the act of being humble. Mm-hmm. It's not showing humiliation, doing acts to humiliate yourself. Mm-hmm. It's being humble. Yeah. Now, what, what mm-hmm. does being humble look like? Being humble is is. For me, it's an admission of I'm not God. Like I, I I'm. I, it's very likely I'm not the smartest person in the world. It's very likely I'm not the smartest person in the city. It's very likely I'm not the smartest person on this block. It's very likely I'm not even the smartest person in this room. So I'm humbly saying that while I'm smart, while I have intellect, there is probably somebody out there who has more, and that's being humble. So mm-hmm. you can associate that breakdown with everything else in life. I may be very powerful and I can bench press a lot, but it's very likely I I, I can't bench press the most mm-hmm. in the world, in the city, on this block. Mm-hmm. I might not have bench press the most in this room. So I'm humbly saying that while I'm still strong physically, I might not be the strongest there is, right? So when I humbly, as I, as I associate this with a family or with a spouse or with my cohorts, I, I'm humbly saying that while I do have power, I I I can't wield it around as if I am the most powerful, right? Um, while I do have influence, I need to be humble about that. I need to be teachable. Humility and teachability are 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 in the same in the same family. They're in the same they're in the same zip code. In words you want in your life. Now, if I if how I on the flip side by not being humble. How does not being humble look like? I'm not open to suggestions. I'm not open to be- It's arrogance. To be uh, educated. A big piece of arrogance. It's that I'm thinking I'm the center of of my universe, of the universe, of everyone's universe. That's what not being humble looks like, Mm -hmm. is is that I'm putting unnecessary power uh, and importance into not only my life,
1: but other people's lives around me, Mm. right? You know, um, you're- you're, um, people, people who are humiliators, that again, obvi- opposite of humble, the people who are humiliators have themselves been humiliated.
0: Oftentimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, so we tend to do that to our wife and kids is if we've not dealt with that, if we've not looked at it. And, and again, this is a journey to wholeness moment here, but if, if you People who have been traumatized will continue to traumatize others. I don't don't care who you are. Point is that if if we understand, and and here's the to me the core, the core of humility, is that um, in the exemplified by the Lord Jesus, he didn't give away his position. But he used his position to love and to serve. He used his power to support and to raise up and to build up. Proverb says, "Raise up a child in the way they should be, and and when they grow, they won't depart from it." That's actually really not a promise; it's a principle. Now everybody's got their own free will, and I, I believe that. I believe it to be a promise. But if you read Hebrew literature and poetry, Wisdom, then you're, you're, you understand that, you know, a kid will do this if you if you teach them. And our hope as a parent that that's a promise, and and I hope it is. But but reality says when it comes rubber meets the road, everybody can choose their own way. So when a dad and a husband puts aside their position of authority and power, and chooses to love and support and show mercy and grace and kindness. Still keeping their position, but using it to love and to build up and to encourage and to strengthen and to move on down the road of life, that that's humility at the core.
0: Yeah. And when you're being humble, you actually don't, you aren't giving away position or strength. You're not being
1: a doormat. You're
0: actually gaining more position and strength by right. being humble. So, okay. Right. One, you said love. Two, humility. What's, what do we got for Three.
1: Three. Is by default and, and by nature, we give away and we transfer power to our kids. So we can't keep what we have unless we give it away. Concept, right? But by default, we do it. Like for example, we'll go back to the bully. If a dad's an ogre and a and a, a mean, angry guy, he's going to create bullies, or he's going to create kids that just check out because they don't feel loved or accepted. If a guy doesn't usurp leadership, and again, you mentioned this a moment ago, leadership is is how most of us use our position of power, wherever that leadership may be. But if a guy refuses to be a leader and just it, it sort of punches a clock as a dad and husband, then he's going to create lack of direction in his family. He's going to create lack of motivation. He's going to create lack of a future. So again, we're talking about understanding that what I impart and transfer to my kids will definitely create destiny. It will definitely affect legacy and it will definitely make their their lives from launching from home into the rest of their lives. It will make the difference in their life if you teach them and exemplify them. The proper way to to use power.
0: Yeah, I'm the sum of all of my parts. I'm the sum <clears throat> of all of my uh, people that have influenced me. I have taken little bits and pieces from the people I've respected and trusted in my life, and the the sum of all those parts make up who I am uh, personally. Though they make up my character mm-hmm. attributes. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of that is. If you are in a, pers- a position of influence and you aren't showing love, humility, and you're not giving away the best parts of yourself to mm-hmm. somebody else, you are actually replicating that version onto everyone you have right. influence of, right? right? Uh, I know very this, powerful. I know some people just, just don't, they don't like this sentence, and I don't understand why, Like, but perceptions are reality. Right. I think I I know that psychologists will say, well, of course, there are a lot of psych, a lot, probably more than wouldn't, would agree
1: with. I've always heard 90% of, of uh, 90% of reality is uh, 90% of, of a person's reality is perception. Absolutely. So. My perceptions will make up my reality. If right. I'm a
0: negative right. person, right. if I perceive everything around me to be negative, if I perceive everything around me to be scandalous, or mm-hmm. or that there's a there's lies going on, then my reality is that the world's untrustworthy, right? But that's that most psychological uh, psychologists, including myself, would say you know, that's, in, that's incredibly accurate. Mm-hmm. Your the nature versus nurture of how you are right. raised the right. fight, the fight or flight version of how right. you are. Some people though, on the other hand say, no, no reality is reality, which I've never understood that sentence. Like, no, no, the reality of the things are the reality, but I'm always perceiving things.
1: You can't, I was always taught early in my educational career. This is one of a handful of things I remember. <laughs> You can't define a word with a word.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can't. You sure. can't
1: say reality is real. It no, it no, it's not. Uh, uh, you just you just defined it. You are the sum total of your parts. Ergo, reality is the same. So you're the sum total of your experiences. How
0: I I, I agree wholeheartedly that that's the case. So the take home of this <clears throat> say say you're a person of that you're thinking maybe maybe I am misusing power mm. maybe I do come quick to quick to anger quick to quick to blow some people you know i I, I come quick to swinging at people mm. I come quick to being a narcissist to tearing people down with my words uh, maybe maybe I exert my power in not letting other people have a say mm. in their place of employment mm. and and then we can mm. break that down to why well because I don't think that anyone's opinion is as good as mine mm. their insight is as good as mine it now doesn't turn into a power thing so much as a control thing so much as a not having humility thing so as we talked about these three things the love the humility and and spreading what you have to on um if you're lacking in one of those it will it will generate a misuse of you're power you're going to lack in all yeah yeah, it, it, it Im- imbalance. Right. So, uh, a take home for me that if I was on the fence, like like well, a I didn't know where I was, but now I think, well, maybe I am abusing my power in these in in one of these avenues. Uh, I would ask myself, am I being loving? Am I really being
1: loving? Like how love
0: is actually
1: designed. And, and yeah, and let's define that. Let's define it by by understanding what the Scripture says about love. Is is that agape love is the pure love. It's not selfish love. It's the giving of oneself. And and this is my paraphrase: the giving of oneself, the way Jesus would give Himself to you. You you give them that love. Paul you, Paul writes that it's it's patient, it's kind, it's, love, Yes, it's the the it, wedding scripture. It's the, it's the benefit. I sum it up this way: to give one the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to, if I see the opportunity, I may not understand what's happened in my child's life today, so I'm not going to make a quick snap judgment. That's where King comes in. He begins to observe and to listen and to to have the authority to deal with something. Right. But I think we have to love, we have to really, and again, Paul says, to your point, putting, putting one's, other child or wife over yourself. I, I want in the show notes. We'll put we'll put that Corinthian scripture
0: in there. Mm-hmm. Now it's again the most, uh, like I said, the wedding scripture. It's because mm-hmm. when you go to a wedding, that's yeah. you are one hundred percent. That's what
1: everybody hopes for. One
0: hundred percent of the time, you're going to hear this scripture. And now because you hear it so much in weddings, and because as as a human being, you're listening, just take a count on how many weddings you've been to in your yeah, life. But, but like you remember, how many have you been to in your life? Right. You've been to <clears> dozens upon dozens upon dozens. And so you hear the scripture. And so you associate this with, with well, that's, oh, you're talking about husband and wife. Right. Well, actually, Paul was writing that, not about husband and wife. He right. talks about marriage later on right, in Corinthians, right. but not in that section. Right. In that section, he's actually talking about, no, 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 no. this isn't how you're supposed to, like, you're supposed to treat your, your, your spouse this way. But I'm not saying that this is the, he's actually writing it to people people this is how you're supposed to people, treat people people this way. in
1: cor- Corinth and this was about about as uh Sean spoke a few months ago about uh Paul and about Corinthians and he said this particular passage was Paul defining and explaining how love should work not in the perverted grotesque way that it was working in Corinth All sorts of debauchery, sexual debauchery, and all sorts of of child prostitution, prostitution, uh, male and female. Uh, It it was just corrupted and gross. And Paul said, no, this is what love is here. So, again, we're back to tagging something with a definition that, eh, maybe not so much just because we've heard it used a lot.
0: Right. So, like, when, when one could say, well, corn sounds terrible. How is that? How is that the same today? Actually, today is eerily similar. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how much the world actually advanced in a good way from those days. The world is still full of all these impure versions of the word love. The point being is that we, and again, read this, read this scripture that's in the show notes, mm. and then think about. Well, okay. I, I mean, I thought that that was the. Uh, maybe the target for my spouse. Mm. But now think of it as, well, it wasn't actually written for just your spouse. It was actually Mm -hmm. written that this is the bare minimum of how you should be treating your spouse, Mm -hmm. the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. This is actually the bare minimum of how you should be treating your neighbor. It's the bare minimum of how you should be treating your coworkers. It's the bare minimum of how you should be treating the person you don't know in the grocery aisle that's in your way with their cart. Mm. This is the bare minimum. Weird people of Walmart. I'm thinking of right now. So if this is the bare minimum, how should how much more should I be treating my spouse? Mm. How much more right. should I be treating my there children? Go. There you go. So read that and think. Well, am I doing this in all my affairs? Mm. And and am I treat? Am I acting this way in everything I do? If the question if the, the question is answered with no, then there's area for improvement there. Mm. There it, it, do you have to, in all circumstances, be good if you could, Yeah. are you going to probably not right away, yeah. but it's a striving point. It's a progress report. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something we can continuously work on in everything we do. So the love portion on that, yes. The humility portion now, are you being humble? Mm. Are you teachable? Are you, <laughs> are you relatable? Do you, do you
1: listen as much as you speak? Are are you open to suggestions? For some reason, teachable stands out in my mind, so let's wrap some definition around that. Teachable, I've heard guys say all the time, yeah, I'm teachable, yeah. Then my second question is, who's your mentor or who do you allow to speak in your life? Well, I don't have anybody. Well, bro, you're not teachable. You just like think you are because we don't don't know everything. You've established that. We've established that in the discussion. We don't know everything. What we do know is that we need help and we need to gain wisdom from others. Um, You know, there's really, Keith, there's only two decisions here for men to make. And that is if I'm in one of the margins, I have to make significant course correction today, right now, while you're listening right now, because if you don't, you are going to lead your family and yourself further away from the center core of God's design for you and your family. So much so that it will be difficult to pull them back in. So you have those two options to be, to be a weak leader and powerless or to be an ogre and overpowering. So you, the, yeah, that th- those are, that's one option. The second option is to come to the middle and to begin to do things the way that Jesus would have you do those things, and for, if you don't know what those are, we've been talking about it for forty-five minutes: love and humility.
0: Yeah, I, that's and and so like how we'll wrap this up now. We're bringing this home. Uh, the humility portion, um, I think a good the the strongest synonym I've gotten from the show on that is is teachability. Are you teachable? Um, I love that you said if there's if you don't have a mentor you're not teachable because you're not even setting yourself mm-hmm. up to be taught. Mm-hmm. Um, where where what what do you do if you're if you're listening? I mean, go get a mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, ask questions. Questions let's, are let's, good are a
1: good foundation of starting to become teachable. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. We may go over just a minute or two. The true the true meaning of teachability means that I entrust my mind and my heart to another's wisdom and influence and direction. That's what teachability means. It means also that I, I don't know everything, which means I'm humble to acknowledge that. But furthermore, it means that once I receive this instruction, that I begin to put it into play. Like you said a, f- a few minutes ago, faith without works is dead. So if I, if I put into play even little things, like I'm talking to a guy right now who's in the process of taking his life back, his health back, just rebuilding his, his whole his whole lifestyle. And one of the things that he does, and this is just an example, one of the things that he does because of his lifestyle in the past he worked long, hard hours. He worked jobs that required him to work late at night. So he has this rhythm in his life that he stays up till 12 or 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. So as I've been talking to him and we've discussed and looked at and, and looked at the options and what kind of toll that's taken on his life, he's realized that that's contributed. So that's Teachability. It doesn't mean that I have all the answers. What it means is that your mentor has probably hit all the walls that you're about to hit and they can save you from the crash if you'll just listen. There are two ways to get wisdom. You can get it experientially or you can get it taught and mentored to you by example. So you can choose either way.
0: Yeah, smart people learn from their mistakes and really, really smart people. And if you fall in this category, you're like, well, I'm a really, really smart person. Really, really smart people learn from other people's mistakes. Bingo. So yes, sir. get an opportunity to learn from other people's mistakes mm. so you don't follow the same one. Because ultimately, this, the third part of this is that um, better love, better humility, mm. because either way, like it or not, you are replicating yourself. Mm-hmm. You're replicating yourself to your children, You're replicating yourself to your spouse. You're replicating yourself to the people around you. So with the two options there, you can either replicate a good version of yourself or the not so good version of yourself. If you don't know which one you're doing, you're probably doing the not so good version of yourself. You know, If you can't answer that immediately, you are not probably Mm -hmm. replicating the best Mm -hmm. version you could of yourself. I can even tell you this right now. I'm not replicating the best version of myself because Mm. I can humbly say I, I can get better. Mm-hmm. So you, if you, you say know, yeah. you just say mm-hmm. you know are you, are, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty well put together human being, but I'm not replicating the best version of myself. I am at times, mm. but not nearly all the times I should. And I can humbly tell you that because I can humbly say I'm I'm not done learning, I'm not done getting better. If I could say nope, I'm replicating the best version of myself and everything, then I'm I'm defaulting by my, I don't have humility. Which leads to probably because I'm not showing enough love. Well,
1: then, then there, there's another yet another three piece series is I become complacent in my comfortability, and I've chosen just to stay here the rest of my life. Yeah, right. So, and we don't want to do
0: that. And at the end of this, so the, the we're going to wrap this whole series up: uh, money, sex, and power. Uh, you have power, mm-hmm. you, you want it or not, you got it. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to do with it? It's mm-hmm. up to you entirely. Mm-hmm. If you don't know if you're doing uh,
1: the right things with it, odds are you're probably not. Yeah. Here's the one thing, just if 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 you have to say the one thing and now's the time to say the one thing, if if I have to say the one thing to a guy listening right now, and we've seen this work in our group, if you if you sincerely take a, a moment and an uninterrupted moment and ask the Lord Jesus himself what should you do and how should you do it see when you when we all of us come to a come to a place and we know that God is speaking to us we have to ask ourselves two questions the one is what is God saying and the other question is what am i going to do about it so you need to ask Jesus what's the next move for your life. What is he saying? And what am I going to do about it?
0: That's real good. So we're wrapping up this series. Thank you for listening to the the this episode and if, again if you haven't listened to the other two episodes on money and sex, uh those are definitely good listens. Um definitely good listens. They were good they were good recording. I learned a lot recording them and I I I can guarantee that there's some useful information for you uh, to to learn from them. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Father Seekers Podcast. We will be back again next week with a new episode. Uh, Do we have the topic? No. Then we, I'll tell you what—you'll get it in seven days,
1: and know within those seven days. We, we have several topics we haven't we, we landed yet. We conjured up a plan, and we we're going to shoot landed. on it. So, uh,
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the Father Seekers Podcast. Hey, if you if you dug this episode, found it having useful information, share it on your social media platforms. Let somebody know about it. Again, we we want to expand this podcast uh, out to as many people as we as we as we possibly can, because uh, not because of us, but because. The concepts we talk about, the ideas we talk about are are really the life-giving message of Jesus, and we want to expand that kingdom as much as we feasibly can. What would yeah. help us expand that is uh, rating our podcast, giving mm-hmm. us a five-star mm-hmm. just so mm-hmm. more people just can get uh, get our podcast on their radar. Yeah, uh, Pastor Barry, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, PK. And thank you for listening. I'm Pastor Keith. Uh, we'll see you again next week.